lazy Sunday, wake up in the late afternoon. Call Parnell just to see how he's doing. Hello, what up, pawn? Yo, Sandberg, what's cracking? You thinking what I'm thinking? Naughty up! Man, it's happening. But first, my hunger pangs by sticking like duct tape. Let's hit up Magnolia and Mac on some cupcakes. No doubt that bakery's got all the bomb frosty. I love those cupcakes like McAdams loves Gosling. Hey folks, SH1T coming to you live, drinking coffee. Been an interesting couple of days. Uh, lazy Sunday, yay for me. Just kind of hanging out, chilling in the house. Uh, went and played poker again twice. Ended up, uh, as you'll find out in the, the later versions of this podcast, uh, finished, I think, 14th or 13th. Had a bad session. Not bad, but uh, not... Uh, Nothing to write home about, and then ended up taking the second one down. Uh, the 250, 300 euro. Yay me. Uh, ran 8.5 miles. Felt like my feet were going to break, but I feel a lot better today. Um, kind of just chilling. I'm milling about the house, and I have nothing planned today. So it's going to be a great, great day. Really going to enjoy it. Uh, wife and the kids are uh, loving life out in Ethiopia. So yay for them as well. Yay for everything. Um, just kind of chill. Hopefully, hopefully the, uh, relaxing day, which is just kind of the, uh, personality or, uh, uh, my mindset is those are the best days were the ones where you just kind of nothing going on. Where am I going? Nowhere. What am I going to do? Nothing. It's going to be a great, great day. Uh, sorry if I'm popping on the microphone, but it is what it is. Okie dokie, off into the old super cool guy news. Um, uh, speaking of gambling, uh, California is not going to legalize gambling, I guess. Uh, all that is is kind of gambling in general is just a, basically a tax on the like lottery, uh, 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 rake from a poker table, taking five off the top in a tournament. Uh, it's just basically a tax on the poor. And then typically the money doesn't fund for uh, education or infrastructure or whatever the, in whatever the intended purpose is. But I'm not here. I'm not one here to tell anyone or not anything that, uh, you know, you should legalize gambling in your state. So if you want to go throw up some cards or bet on the horses or do whatever, you do you, boo-boo. Do your thing. Uh, AOC. Um, yeah, so she was the one of the, the Green New Deal. And, uh, uh, apparently, uh, people are calling her out on her, her hypocrisy. Um, she's like, eh, hey, don't, don't use airplanes, don't eat meat, uh, don't do this, or we gotta kill cows, or whatever the case is. So, um, uh, we'll just read the, the article. U.S. Rep, uh, AOC responded Saturday night after a published report, uh, excoriated, I guess that means, uh, ripped her up and down. Uh, the freshman congresswoman for pushing her Green New Deal initiative while still traveling on airplanes and using ride-sharing services instead of greener travel message, methods such as public transportation. The piece mentioned the New York Democrats' call in January for more sustainable energy solutions. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change, she said at the time. But the woman who boasts of a razor-sharp BS detector seems to have trouble sniffing out her own. The New York Post reported, since declaring her candidacy in May 2017, AOC's campaign heavily relied on those combustible engine cars. Uh, even though the subway station was just at 138 feet from her Elmhurst campaign office, she listed over 1,000 transactions for Uber, 
uh, or other car ride services and had 505 uh, Uber expenses or loans, so her staff did it as well. Instead of embracing cheaper, less green travel methods, AOC logged 66 airline transactions during her 2018 campaign while only using Amtrak 18 times, according to the Post. Cortez responded on Twitter, arguing that living, the world, uh, living in the world as it is isn't an argument against working towards a better future. I also fly and use AC, AOC wrote. The Green New Deal is about putting a lot of people to work and developing new technologies, building new infrastructure, and getting us to 100% renewable energy. Uh, the Green New Deal is an economic stimulus package designed to address income inequality, health care, and climate change. The concept, modeled after FDR's New Deal package through public works programs, could be funded through 70% tax on America's top earners. AOC has been a fierce advocate for addressing climate change. She recently questioned whether young couples should have children, given the devastating consequences facing Earth unless an unprecedented effort is made to reduce carbon and gas emissions by 2030. Um, I guess it just brings up the point that um, those that are in charge want you to do certain things, but they're, they're sure as hell not going to do it themselves. Uh, I'm always intrigued by the uh, financial trips to Davos and, uh, uh, hey, we should do this, we should do that, but like uh, the climate change stuff that was happening in 2012-2000. Uh, uh, but they would take private jets, wouldn't fly commercial, or wouldn't take a boat, or or whatever that little thing is, and they would produce just as many carbon emissions uh, to get up there as uh, we would uh, to not. So uh, AOC, um, oh yeah, Bernie Sanders is another one of those. Elizabeth Warren's another one of those where they're like, oh, let's socialism, yay, yet you have three houses and over millions and millions and millions of dollars, and, uh, you know, you can give away 90% of that money, you can give away two of your houses, you can do that now, like nothing is stopping you to be altruistic, because uh, if you're spouting that kind of stuff, maybe you should live that kind of dream. Um, as much as, as much as I don't like the policies that AOC, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, Bernie Sanders are spouting, and everything that they talk that comes out of their mouth is just, bleh. Uh, one of the Congress people or Congress persons uh, that I, that I like, uh, basically everything that that I've seen him do is is been aces. Um, Dan Crenshaw, lights out. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL that lost his eye in uh, Afghanistan, um, and he's rock solid. So he's somebody to watch and really uh, really uh, follow follow his career with great interest. Uh, journalist correction. So finally, the Washington Post issued a correction on the Covington kids' story. We got it wrong. There were a few inaccuracies, inaccuracies in our story. But hey, it's not our fault to jump to the gun. It's just the way it is with our one-click news sensationalism. We we have the right to run kids through the ringer, even though we're not right. And just because this situation wasn't right doesn't mean that America isn't racist and that there aren't a bunch of MAGA hat-wearing, racist, white-bigoted homophobes running the streets of Chicago at 9 degrees Celsius or running up to American Indians, beating native drums, and beating the shit out of every one of them. Doesn't mean it's not true. Um, uh, Washington Post issues lengthy editor's note admitting their initial coverage of the Covington Catholic controversy was flawed after they were hit with a $250 million lawsuit by the student's family. L-O-L. Get it. Get all that monies. Settle for all the monies. Get all the monies. Do whatever you can. Uh, congrats to them for uh, 
uh, for all the stuff that they were put through, trying to get back financially uh, against those uh, uh, journal journalistic outlets. Uh, trans athletes, I may have talked about this before, but uh, they're going to be able to com- compete in the uh, 2020 Winter Olympic Games. I'm not sure what sports specifically they're going to be able to um, uh, participate in. But the uh, upcoming NCAA Women's Track and Field Championships will feature an impressive competitor, C.C. Teffler. C.C. has been dominating the circuit, achieving the fastest time of the year in the 200-meter dash and a third-place ranking nationwide in the hurdles. The only problem is is that C.C. Teffler is a guy. Teffler, in fact, is a guy who identified as a guy until just now, about a year ago. It wasn't until his senior year that he had his epiphany, realizing that he has been a girl all this time and making the heroic decision to leave the men's league and instead compete against a field of athletes who happen to have 20% less muscle mass in their legs, as well as a smaller fast twitch muscle fibers, smaller lungs, smaller hearts, shorter legs, and much more estrogen and much less testosterone and a much smaller capacity to produce oxygen when they exert themselves. Courageously, Mr. Teffler has chosen to race against people who have literally dozens of immutable biological disadvantages in comparison to himself. He is constantly and certainly not alone in making this switch just last week. And Dry Yearwood and Terry Miller, both guys, finished first and second in the 55-meter dash as the Women's State Indoor Track and Field Championships in Connecticut. Mr. Miller also grabbed first in the 300-meter. To give you an idea uh, as to the fundamental unfairness of this situation, Mr. Miller won the gold with 38.9 second place was a full second behind him, a near eternity in track time. But if Mr. Miller had raced against his biological compatriots, he would have been two seconds behind the guy who finished in 25th place. To reiterate, this winning time against the girls would have been put far outside the top 25 of the men's field. The worst guy on the men's track team can instantly become the best on the girls' uh, team, or at least one of the high competitor guys. Because of Mr. Miller and Yearwood's cheating tactics, the first-place biological female was pushed back to third. Her gold medal magically transformed to bronze in much the same way that Mr. Yearwood and Mr. Miller magically transformed into women. The sixth-place biological female, Selena Soul, was pushed to eighth, which is significant because it deprived her of her chance to compete in front of college coaches and scouts, which that's the kind of the, that's the rub of it, Um, uh, uh, which is, it sucks. Uh, Selena was on Fox News a couple uh, nights ago, uh, a couple nights ago, expressing her disappointment. So it's disturbing on a number of levels. You notice how Selena is forced to pretend that she's happy for the two men who cheated her out of her rightful sixth place finish. Even in registering her protest, uh, she couches her views on transgenders, approving rhetoric. Uh, she's afraid to say how she really feels, and who can blame her for that ap- apprehension? Uh, Martina Navratilova is a legend of women's tennis and an openly gay advocate for gay rights. Yet she was shunned by the left and kicked out for her position on gay advocacy advocacy groups for making the supremely logical point that men shouldn't be allowed to compete against women in tennis. If legendary female athletes cannot even state the obvious with regard to this issue, what is a high school girl athlete supposed to do? Women not only have to watch their sports be invaded and undermined by gender-confused men, uh, they are forced to observe in silence and acquiescence. Any whispered protest will be swiftly punished by the LBGTQ community. That was from dailywire.com. Uh, great article. Uh, agree 1,000% uh, with that article. Um, it's sad that, uh, like, it's hilarious, it's funny, that women's sports is basically being um, destroyed by uh, people that identify as men or whatever. But I remember having this conversation like a decade ago, uh, or at least thinking about it. Um, but what stops people from, from diving down and taking care of that? So nothing really, nothing at all. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. 
or, or continues on. A uh, student is accusing his professor of stealing a uh, uh, former Missouri farmer, pharma professor, uh, Ashim Mira, stole a student's research to sell a new drug, lawsuit alleges. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's hilarious that uh, a, a teacher took a formula from a student and passed it off as his own to the pharma companies, made millions of dollars, and then the student found out. Uh, what a piece of shit. That's horrific. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard for $50 million for false accusations and, you know, uh, destruction of character and all that other fun stuff. Uh, if, if you don't recall, Amber Heard was a former girlfriend, fiance of Johnny Depp, and accused him of doing all these crazy things. Uh, he has proof that it's wrong, and then now he's suing her for $50 million. Uh, hashtag believe all women. And then, uh, Three Sonic Chain restaurant personnel quit, uh, walked out, staged a, staged a coup, a protest, because their Sonic uh, management decided instead of paying them an hourly wage, they wanted to give them $4 plus tips at a Sonic. Yes, tips at a Sonic, for, like it's some sort of a restaurant. And uh, this, is, this is also the, the other side of the coin, as talked about earlier. If you're not going to pay your workers a wage then you deserve to have them walk out on you or you need to automate it or you need to do whatever, but uh, you can't get away with underpaying workers just as, just as much as workers can't get away from asking for you to pay too much. It's, uh, it disincentivizes both ways where uh, either people aren't going to work and you're not going to make any money or uh, you're going to lose too much money or you're going to overpay uh, unskilled labor. And hey, uh, uh, in women's successful news, uh, a female defensive back made a D3 team, I want to say, uh, but she, um, female defensive back earns a full scholarship to pay college football. Uh, Missouri University signed a female defensive back uh, to play college football, making her the first female non-kicker to sign the letter of intent for the sport. Uh, Tony Harris uh, signed on to play college football at Central Methodist University. Uh, in Missouri next season, advancing her effort to play play one day in the NFL. Don't think that's going to happen, but you, you can dream, can't you? Uh, she said she's faced opposition in her football career. I had a coach tell me before I would never get to the next level because I was a lot smaller and it's not as fast as the other guys. So that moment taught me to never give up, Harris told CNN. From that moment, then I told myself no one's ever going to decide what I'm going to do with my life. That's my decision. Harris is five foot five and weighs 135 pounds, so obviously not a physical specimen when it comes to defensive backs, especially in the NFL. Uh, she was featured in the Toyota Super Bowl commercial, which she discussed how our faith in God has gotten her to where she is. Uh, it won't be her first time playing college football. She played safety for East Los Angeles College in 2018, recording three tackles, yay her, and breaking up one pass during the team's four and six season. Great job. Harris was diagnosed with ovarian cancer when she was 18, when she beat it and still managed to achieve her athletic goals, according to CB. Uh, STV. Uh, the NFL is a dream, Harris told ESPN. I'm going forward to working toward that until the death of me. Whichever I go, undrafted or undrafted, I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep my faith and God going to take me there. Um, so, yeah, just like, yeah, women should be able to play men's sports if they want. If they want to compete at the highest level, go get it. Great job. Uh, congrats to you, Miss Harris. Um... And good news uh, story of the week, a child killer was beaten and strangled to death when he transferred cells. So congrats to him. You 
got what you deserved, you dumb bastard. And then Rashida Tlaib accused Mark Meadows of racism uh, in their little uh, spatter exchange. So, uh, yeah, let's play it. Just to make a note, Mr. Chairman, just because someone has a person of color, a black person working for them, does not mean they aren't racist. And it is insensitive that someone even say it's the fact that someone would actually use a prop, a black woman, in this chamber, in this committee, is alone racist in itself. Mr. Chairman, I ask that her words, when she's referring to an individual member of this body, be taken down and stricken from the record. I'm sure she didn't intend to do this, but if anyone knows my record as it relates it should be you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I, I, I would like to... Hold on. I want the words read no, no, back. No, 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 no. We want to know exactly no, what she said me. about a colleague. Excuse me. Would you like to rephrase that statement, Ms. Talib? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I can actually read it from here. Just to make a note, Mr. Chairman, that just because someone has a person of color, a black person working for them, does not mean they are racist. And it is insensitive that someone would even say racist, say, say it is racist in itself, and to use a black woman as a prop to, move, to prove it otherwise. And I can submit this for the record. If a colleague is thinking that that's what I'm saying, I'm just saying that's what I believe to have happened. And if as a person of color in this committee, that's how I felt at that moment, and I wanted to express that. But... I am not calling the gentleman, um, Mr. Meadows, a racist for doing so. I'm saying that in itself, it is a racist act. Well, I hope not, Mr. Chairman, because I need to be clear on this well, particular, Mr. Chairman. Mr. 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 Meadows, wait a minute. I, I've defended you no, at, no, uh, no, about, Mr. Meadows, uh, with false accusations. Mr. Meadows, I'm the chair. Yes, sir, you are. Thank you. Right. I will clear this up. Now, Ms. Talib, is it, I want to make sure I understand. You did not, you were not intending to call Mr. Meadows a racist, is that right? No, Mr. Chairman, I yes, do not call Mr. Meadows a racist. No, no. I am trying, oh, minute, as on. a person of color, Mr. Chairman, just to express myself and how I felt at that moment. Mm -hmm. And so, just for the record, that's what was my intention. All right. All right. Mr. Meadows. Mr. Chairman, there's nothing more personal to me than my relationship my nieces and nephews are people of color. Not many people know that. You know that, Mr. Mr. Chairman. And to indicate that I asked someone who is a personal friend of the, the Trump family, who has worked for him, who knows this particular individual, that she's coming in to be a prop, it's racist to suggest that I ask her to come in here for that reason. Right. Mr. President, the president's own person she's a family member she she loves the, this family she came in because she felt like the president of the united states was getting falsely accused and and mr chairman you are you and i have a personal relationship that's not based on color and and to even go down this direction is, is wrong mr chairman first of all i want to thank the gentleman for what you have stated um if there's anyone who is sensitive with regard to race, it's me. Son of former sharecroppers that were basically slaves. So I, I get it. 
Um, I listened very carefully to Ms. Saleed, and I think, and I, I don't want to, I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but I think she said that she was not calling you a racist. And I thought that we could clarify that. Because, you, Mr. Meadows, you know, uh, and of all the people on this committee, uh, I've said it and got in trouble for it, that you're one of my best friends. I know that shocks a lot of people. And, and likewise, Mr. Yeah, Chairman. but you are. And I would do, and I could see and feel your pain. I feel it. And so, and I don't think Ms. Salib intended to cause you that, that, that kind of pain and that kind of frustration. Did you have a statement, Ms. Salib? I'm going to yield to you. We no, you just thank you, Mr. Up. Chairman. And, and to my colleague, Mr. Meadows, that was not my intention. And I do apologize if that's what it sounded like. But I said someone in general. Uh, and as everybody knows in this chamber, I'm pretty direct. So I, if I wanted to say that, I would have. But that's not what I said. And uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, for allowing me to clarify. But again, I said someone. And again, I, those not referring to you at all as a racist. All righty. That was fun, wasn't it? Uh, so hilarious that Tlaib would run with that line of questioning. Yes, she was calling him a racist. Yes, she was saying that he, like, if you bring, just because you're friends with a black person doesn't mean you're not racist. Is basically what she was saying. Um, just because, uh, well, they like to use... Uh, people, liberals like to say, you can't use somebody as a prop, but then they say affirmative action. You got to hire this many people, that many people, or uh, look, you're a racist because you don't have X amount of people in your cabinet or X amount of people that work for you, or you're anti-trans because you don't have any trans people working for you or in your cabinet or this, that, and the other. So uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And uh, Tlaib, with Ileana Omar, AOC, uh, new batch of the uh, the super cool guys uh, for Congress people, uh, but uh, uh, it's funny that she would say something like that when she has done in and of herself. Uh, she promotes uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, so that's anti-Jewish stuff. Embraced anti-Semitic uh, alleged Muslim Brotherhood sympathizers. Embraced anti-Semites and alleged Muslim Brotherhood sympathizers. Supports. Uh, it's called BDS, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, which is basically uh, down with Israel. Um, does not support two-state solution between Palestine and Israel. And been photographed with Islamic terrorist sympathizers and belonged to a Holocaust denier group. Um, uh, what? I don't know if anybody's ever read, and you should probably read the Yom Kippur Wars or the Seven Day War, what Israel is dealing with uh, down there. As far as uh, they are surrounded by nations that want to eradicate them and it happened as much in the early or the late 60s where um uh, lebanon I, I don't recall if jordan did but lebanon egypt uh maybe syria lined up and basically staged military uh assets outside of their border and israel israel basically said nah fuck that and destroyed uh, all three of their armies in the matter of like six or seven days took over the Sinai Peninsula and basically moved the borders to where they are for the most part uh, today. They get they conceded a lot of that territory back to Egypt, but they just literally, in the span of a week, had marched across the Sinai Peninsula uh, and uh, gotten close to or taken over. I'm not sure if they got to both sides of the Suez, um, which is a, 
I guess the most highly trafficked uh, shipping lane um, uh, in the world. So, uh, but yeah, read up on the Yom Kippur War, and that situation still kind of exists. Benjamin Netanyahu was a uh, who's under uh, I guess he indi- got indicted recently for two uh, 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 bribing uh, counts of bribery. So he's going through that whole little fun thing. But uh, uh, he was a lieutenant in that war. So that's where his mindset is. And that's basically he drives that attitude uh, that we're, you know, we're under attack constantly. Got to defend ourselves. Can't be eradicated. And they deserve their own sovereignty. And anybody that uh, is kind of confusing if you would have the opposite opinion of that where countries can't be their own sovereigns. So uh, which is kind of where it goes or what the decision point is for a lot of these uh, uh, people. Meow. Anywho, uh, well, that was fun. I think that will uh, that'll end it. Uh, go team. Go Trudeau in Canada. Uh, he's uh, he's going through his own little <laughs> rigmarole up in Canada where he tried to buy, or I guess they have state-run agencies, and he was trying to get a, a AG not to investigate a state-run entity. And all that's coming out in uh, in the north. So, uh, meh, interesting stuff. All right, back to actually. Unfortunately, I might have to do uh, laundry, break down some boxes, and clean the kitchen. Don't want to do that though. I'm I'm going to watch Troy for the rest of the day and kind of chill out and do me voices and look around and look at Brad Pitt, Bob. Hey folks, welcome to the Poker Corner, part one, maybe of a part two episode, depends on what happens uh, tonight, and I'm almost assured assured that it'll be a part two episode uh, for the Poker Corner, but I finished 14th this time out of 40 players, uh, but I felt this session did a, was a little bit better than the other one was, um, I, I just felt better, but I, I've noticed a couple things where I've, a couple themes here where I did these things the first time I played in one, and did these things the, the second and third time and lost. And starting off with what things that I did uh, that caused me to lose or caused me to have problems was uh, being passive. So I need, when you decide to play in a hand, get aggressive with that hand in play. So that means that you need to, or at least I need to, at least the strategy I'm trying to employ is to tighten up my range and just get aggressive with what I've got. Uh, leaves you susceptible to uh, over bets and people chasing. Uh, which is what occurred sometime during this uh, uh, tournament, but neither here nor there. So it was a tough start. Um, it was a family pot, and I had ace-10 offsuit. Um, I limped in from early position, and I flopped top two. Uh, guy, uh, I bet my top two from early. I was probably in the blinds in this hand. Uh, I bet it out. Got multiple callers. Uh, turn was a queen. Um, I checked. Uh, it went check around, and then I checked again. Because uh, a jack had hit the, uh, or a king had hit the river. So any jack completes a straight. I had top two, uh, decided to call, ended up losing uh, that one because the guy had king jack. He, he called the flop after he hit a gut shot, but it's my fault for not raising a lot of that out. Would he have stayed in? Would he have played? Maybe. 
depending on the way he was. Uh, the two guys to the left of me uh, at table three were both uh, any two cards kind of players. Uh, I chased with uh, three, four hearts, uh, kind of like I did the last time. Uh, Suda connectors, especially on the low side, are good in position, but uh, missed. Uh, aggression would have paid off with taking it down because a pair of fours is what I had versus any two card guy. He had six five of clubs. He had a pair of sixes at the end. Uh, I'm sure if I would have bet the river, I'd have been able to take it down, but uh, to no avail. King jack off in the button, uh, folded, to, folded to a three bet. Uh, and that individual had kings, so yay me. And that was basically my first couple rounds in the tournament. And you start at 150, 160,000, and I was down to 126,000. So blinds are relatively small compared to that. No need to rush, just stay patient. And that's another thing that killed me at the very end of this is that I was not patient, even though I was down to about eight big blinds at the end. But that's a little bit of a foreshadowing. Uh, I got uh, queens in middle position. And I raised and had four callers to the flop, and I flopped uh, top set, and there was a flush draw. This was one of the weird things, especially uh, there's uh, about, what, 20% of the field is just recreational, trying to have fun. And a bunch of them are there just as a, cl a club or a group or whatever it is to play, but some of them have no clue what they're doing. And this is an exact example of somebody that has no clue what they're doing, doesn't understand pot bet sizing, doesn't understand basically anything. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but uh, so I had queens in middle position and four callers to the flop, and I flopped top set with a flush draw. Uh, I, I did a pot bet, and then the guy, a calling station essentially, you'll find out why, uh, called me. Uh, blank on the turn, I, I bet pot again, uh, and remind you, the blinds are like 200, 400 here, and my turn bet is somewhere in the range of 20,000. Um, I get called again, or sorry, 25,000. I think I bet 10,000 on the flop, 25,000 on the turn, and then uh, he called me, and then I pot bet about 65,000. Um, and then he called me with king high of clubs. Like, that's what he, he didn't hit, he didn't have a pair. He had a flush draw at the beginning, but he missed it. And I uh, went from 126,000 to about 230,000 plus, basically on that hand alone. Essentially doubled up uh, through him. He called me with air, king high. So, and I had top set. Yay. Uh, limp pot again in the big blind with king queen offsuit, and it was a king x4 flop. Uh, and this is one of those passive issues where I run into problems. Not to say the pre flop aggression would have got me here or got me better, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, checked around, and then a king on the turn, so I'm pretty much sealed my fate to this one. Uh, I checked again, and uh, uh, any two cards guy bet out. Uh, I was a lone caller, a jack on the river. I called 20k at the river, and I lose to pocket fours because I had a, a set of kings. So, I mean, with limp pots, you're going to run into those situations all the time, and that's what happened to me again. Uh, Ace-queen offsuit, early position, I raised uh, to 4,000, and I had six callers, and I think it was 400, 800 blinds. Uh, it was a queen, blank, blank, flop. Uh, I bet pot and had a caller. Um, it was any two cards with kind of a... He played, this guy has played with me basically every single time I've gone up there. He's been at my table. So he just he just called uh, uh, blank on the turn and I uh, bet pot again. Uh, and he calls. And then I bet on the river and he did not call. And he showed uh, king six of diamonds and he had a pair of sixes with my queen. So he was just trying to chase me down with, a, with two pair and he didn't get there. So I got something off him. 
I floated the very next hand of the big blind and I missed the flop. Um, uh, cause I had king six of diamonds. Um, uh, but a, a knit to about, I was on seat four. He was in seat seven. He had raised about three X, four X. And he decides, I decide to, you know, what, see what, see what can happen. If I hit, hit, I hit a draw or I hit my flop hard, he's going to push or he's going to over push just like I would in my situation. So I'm basically playing me. Um, and I missed, so I decided not to play anything, and I had 245k after that one. I had a uh, ace king off in the button, uh, six personnel limped, and this is where aggression pays off. Uh, it was a limp pot again, and I made a 10 to go. Uh, I believe the blinds were six 1200, uh, so I about eight x it with six, uh, uh, six to the flop, and there were four collars. So I missed a complete error on the flop, and it checked around on the flop. Uh, I don't think a continuation would have got through. Maybe it would have, but it didn't fit who I was. So uh, after the flop, the small blind went 15K. So uh, this, so because my check, I think my checking check the button could have been more powerful, could have not. It definitely looked like I was trying to play or show aces or show kings or show queens, some sort of an overpair. And uh, uh, the small blind was any two cards guy, really wild, ready to chase down. So you have to, you got to press them to make them fold. So I went 60K and uh, he limited about it for about two minutes and then he decided to drop it. So he, he put me on what I was trying to rep, which was over pair to the board. And uh, I ended up taking a nice pot just by sheer aggression and had just under 300K after that one. I played ace four spades passive, uh, turned a straight flush draw and uh, ended up losing... Uh, 20k in the very next hand uh, because I hit my ace on the river uh, or I had two pair one of the two but the guy that I had just bluffed out of a hand had hit his back door to flush on me so uh, uh, no bueno it was pretty quiet for a while and then uh, uh, I got I got dealt pocket jacks uh, with I was a middle position but the guy to the right of me with about 40k jammed uh, but he had made the worst fold ever prior to this happening and putting putting himself in this position. He had ace-king of spades. Uh, and he had the, the same guy that was any two cards, just a wild, crazy guy. You really can't trust what he's betting or, or what he's doing. Um, basically, the flop was there. They both checked. The turn was uh, something. He continued an any two guys or any two, uh, uh, any two cards guy called. And then his card hit the river, an ace. Um, he checked, and the guy bet 60K. Complete overbet, definite steal. Like, you you just, at the table, you could tell mannerisms, whatever. He was he was trying to thieve, because he had done it before to him earlier. He'd, he'd showed uh, a steal and everything beforehand. So the guy sits there, huffs and puffs and laments and whatever, and he turned his cards over and he threw them and he mucked. And I thought, like, I looked because I don't speak German. And I just, I just had the dumbest look on my face. Like, did you just, like, did you just fold? Uh, and he folded and, like, his friend to the right of him was paying attention. I was obviously paying attention. And the guy turned over, like, air, air, nothing. And if he would have been paying attention, he would have, uh, he would have figured that out easily. There's no... Especially the way you're, that that guy's playing, you just have to. 
I overheard, I don't know the theory behind random number generator call or whatever, and probably my uh, my calling at the river is a little bit too high. Um, but him, him definitely, he does definitely deserve to call it. Any two cards guy, but any two cards guy took down in a massive pot. And that was kind of the end of, uh, his road. Cause a couple of hands later he jams with uh, Jack 10 off. Uh, uh, and then I had pocket jacks. I over jammed to protect. Uh, he probably, his bet was probably about 40 K. My over jam was about 240 K. And then a bunch of people were lamenting. I hit top set. If I would have known I was going to hit top set, I would just would have called him or double up bet him or whatever the case is. But I can't go six or seven to the flop with pocket jacks and expect to win, uh, the hand. But I, but I take that one down, uh, over jam protect. Um, and then I, the very next hand I had ace queen offsuit and I, I got opened. I get re-raised and I call and miss and she had uh, pocket kings. And at the, at the first break, I had 270K. So um, so we come back, and then uh, in the big blind, I have Jack Nine of Spades. So I decided to defend, and then I go uh, straight bluff, homie. Uh, it's why it's understand. It's why it's important to understand a position in the hand, and I can't even recall. Um, oh yeah, so. This, this uh, particular hand is why it's important to pay attention at the table so you can classify people of what they're going to do. If uh, they're calling stations, you can't pull this play off. If they uh, if what they're doing or the moves that they are making is if they're, if they're taking a semi-GTO intelligence uh, approach to the game and you can get them to fold, then you can pull stuff off like this. Um, uh, so we both check the flop because typically... Because he came from the button, so... Uh, uh, he raised in the button, I called, and then the early position guy had, uh, who limped had called. Uh, flop was a complete miss. I check, he checks, and he continues from the button, so I float just to see what's going to happen. Uh, turn is a... Uh, uh, there were two on the two hearts on the flop, so uh, the turn is a heart. So now I can play, I can rep that... Like, it makes total sense that I would call in the big blind with... You know, pseudo connector hand, some sort of hand or whatever, that I would check the flop on a flush draw and then call his uh, continuation bet, and then I would lead out with a flush, or I could check my flush either or. So now I have control of the situation. So I lead out on the turn uh, with the flush completed on the board, and he decides to call me. So maybe he's floating me, maybe he has a pair, maybe he has this, that, and the other, but he checks his cards. So uh, typically when somebody checks their cards in, in the middle of a game, um, if you're paying attention, typically they have an offsuit hand. They don't have a suited hand. So he's got to have two face cards of some sort. So that's, that's the range. That's where I put him. He's got some, two sort of face cards. Uh, I don't know if he has a heart or not. Uh, uh but it's got, it's a complete random guess in that sense that he does. River completes or four flushes the board. Um, so there's four hearts on the board, but I've already, if, so I've been watching him. So I'm assuming he's a guy that pays attention. So, and tries to make good reads and all that other fun stuff. So, that, this is a leveling I love to do at a poker table. So, he's, uh, uh, I'm assuming he thinks that I have a flush or at least a heart. And he checked. And the little exasperated uh, that he gave, that he wasn't paying attention, led me to believe that he didn't have a heart. So, I decided to lead out again. Uh, and, and Bluff took it down. Because uh, he folded. So, I don't know what he, I'm assuming he had, you know, ace-king, ace-queen, uh, Queen Jack, something, something to that effect uh, from the button. So, sitting at 320k plus, I get sevens in the cutoff position, all the blinds call, 
and the flop uh, was an ace four X. So I decided to continue, take it down. Um, it, that play, uh, if you open um, and the flop comes out an ace, you can just assume that uh, it fits your image, it fits your, it fits your play. And I got two guys to fold and had 350K. Uh, queen Jack of Clubs. So after the tables break, the very first hand I sit down at, um, I'm in early position and I had Queen Jack of Clubs. So I decided to call. I think it's uh, 6,000, 12,000 at this point. So blinds are coming up pretty quick. I'm still allowed to be patient. I'm about 20, 25 big blinds or maybe about 30 big, big blinds at this point. So I decide to call. And then uh, late position makes it 20 to go. And then uh, late position like cutoff makes it 85 to go all in comes around to me I, I haven't seen the table whatever queen jack is way too light don't know the table dynamics so i decide to fold uh, uh the other guy calls and the flop is queen uh, he calls with ace queen the guy that jammed had pocket threes the flop is queen four deuce two clubs so if i see that flop with queen jack of clubs i'm not going anywhere turn is a jack river's a jack uh, that that would have uh, been a very nice hand to uh, keep me out of playing 20, 30 big blind poker. Um, uh, pretty quiet uh, after that. Uh, for a while, I had jacks hold up against ace-3 offsuit uh, up to 350k. And then uh, what the hand that killed me was ace-king of spades in early position. Uh, the blinds were 8,000, 16,000. I make it 40 to go. I get two callers at 40k this early and one of the guy had called off uh he flatted with jack 10 offsuit with about 40 percent of his stack 30 percent of his stack uh flop was jack four deuce uh one spade so i got two overs to the board i check he jams it's about half of, it's a half pot bet so i'm 25 percent. so i'm committing 25 or i'm committing about 150 to win 400 500k so uh, i do the math in my head Backdoor flush. I'm sure, I'm sure Acer or King is good here. So I'm 25% to win, maybe plus a little bit more because of the backdoor. Um, he has Jack 10 offsuit. I have Ace King of Spades. Uh, turn is a spade, which gives me 9 plus uh, 6, which is 15 to 30 um, outs. Maybe I may, I may be overstating that, but still about a quarter. I still have a quarter percent chance uh, to win the hand. And then uh, uh, I miss the river. So that, that pretty much cut me in half. Uh, so I'm at 150,000 blinds come back around to me. It's 10, 20,000 or yeah, 20,000, 10,000. So I have about seven big blinds left. Uh, lucky me and unlucky me at the same time, a bunch of guys limp. So we're about limp. So about five ways to the flop. Uh, and I got impatient here, um, with five deuce, it was checked around all the way to the river, but the final card had completed a four, four cards to a straight, um, I had the idiot into the straight, plus the flush was completed. Um, I jam after the small blind goes, uh, does the uh, 20, 20k bet. I jam for 130k. Everybody calls, and I am out at in 14th place. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. I just the same mistakes again, uh, impatience, and then a uh, little bit of luck. Uh, got lucky here, unlucky there, um, and then. Uh, What's the final thing? Ah, passive play. So so don't be passive, be lucky, and be patient. Or the, the lessons I need to reinforce for this next game. So I'll, I will let you cats know how it goes. Uh, won the first time I went, finished 11th the second time I went, and then I finished 14th. So I'm assuming I'll be eliminated early 
this next time I go up. The drive's a little bit uh, a little bit too far of a drive, so I think next week I'll, I'll try to play closer to the area, but it'll be cash game. I'm a much better tournament player than I am a cash game player, just because I can sit there and not worry about, uh, you know, deep pockets, uh, whatever. I, I, I can see what you have at the table, so I can make decisions based on that. If you're if you're if you got twenty million dollars behind you at the table, I don't know that, so it, it kind of influences how you play as well. If you're running much deeper than I am. Alrighty, folks, that was part one of Poker Time. Alrighty, here's part two, and Big Daddy Warbucks got the W uh, with his second trip down uh, in as many days uh, for the weekend uh, on this lazy, lazy Sunday. But uh, I, I definitely, what I talked about earlier, staying aggressive in hands I wanted to play, uh, not getting involved in other multiple hands, just so so staying, keeping a tight image, and then constantly reminding myself to be patient and that the blind structure is not set up in such a manner uh, that you have to go make plays for chips that you know you're only going on for their one and a half big blinds uh, but the tournament format was a bounty tournament this time as opposed to a regular and you only got 100k chips instead of 150 still uh, a lot in relation to the uh, big blinds and it was only at uh, 10 10k 20k where it started to become a problem but i was already at a million at about that time but uh, i digress um i folded ace jack off and ace 10 off pre to uh, 10x and uh, i want to say 50x big blind uh, pre-raises i was in early position so i think it was the very first hand or second hand of the tournament i got dealt ace jack offsuit uh, in early position just folded and watched the watch the festivities uh, I would have won with the top top and that one an ace 10 missed or whiffed uh, whiffed completely but I was uh, pretty chill until I got uh, Kings in uh, middle position so I'd, I'd been sitting there folding maybe a limp uh, or check the blinds to see a flop but nothing of note until I received Kings in middle position I made it 4,000 to go um, which was 10 big blinds so the blinds were 200 400 at the time um, and got about six to seven collars pre um, flop is all underneath the Kings nothing real too scary rainbow board um, I want to say that uh, 10 7 uh, or yeah it was 10 7 so uh, potential open ender for uh, six or seven people so it's you're you're trying to dodge a minefield there so um, I it checked all the way around to me in middle position, so I made it 15 to go, and two people called. Uh, turn completes uh, the straight, so there was either a six or a jack on the on the turn. So if you had eight, nine of clubs, or you were playing with that, which is totally possible, with six or seven collars, you would have completed your straight. But uh, the two players were nice enough to check around. So it was a, uh, uh, I found out later that he was a doctor, but he's a horrific poker player. or not that great, so... Intelligence that really doesn't always translate. You can take a mathematical approach to the game, but it doesn't really always translate to uh, being a good poker player. So this guy just made mistake after mistake after mistake and let me check through. Uh, was a good one. 
uh, at least for me. And then any two cards guy, the guy that I'd played uh, the the day prior, um, uh, he let me check through as well. Uh, fly, uh, rivers nothing. Check, check through. And then uh, somebody had queen 10, which was top pair, medium kicker, and my kings uh, were good to go. So uh, I was I convinced myself that I was going to call if any two cards made a bluff at it or the doctor guy made a bluff at it. But uh, uh, neither here nor there. We started with 110k or 100k, and I was at 163k with blinds at 200, 400, mind you. Uh, after that hand, I received aces pretty quickly. Um, right after that, and I limped in. So a couple callers had limped. I limped, and then somebody raised, uh, and then I overraised. So I think somebody had made it 2,000 to go. So there was about 7,000, 8,000 in the pot. So instead of going 15k or 12k, I went 25k just to see if I could get somebody to call. Um, which typically has been uh, what it, what has happened, but nobody did. So I took down a 6K pot uh, with aces. And that's the only time I saw kings the entire day. That's the only time I saw aces the entire day. Didn't see queens. Ja I think I saw jacks once. Um, neither here nor there. Um, any two cards guy raised blind to 6,000. So I want to say the blinds were either, four, I think, 400, 800 or 500, 1,000. Or six hundred, twelve hundred, um, and he he blind raised under the gun to six thousand. So in this tournament, you can bet without even getting your cards if you're under the gun position. So he made it six thousand to go. Folded all the way around to me, and I I look at uh, king queen of diamonds. Yeah, uh, uh, against any two random cards, probably a favorite in position against him. Uh, let's see what happens. So I make it twenty to go, and there are two callers plus any two cards call. So the pot is about eighty k. Um, after that, um, yeah, so one guy, uh, I made a 20 to go. Somebody jams under the 20. Another guy called, any two cards called, and the, and the flop was completely missed. Uh, so there's tons of, tons of theoretical things you can talk about here with the, as far as what to do. So, so since there was an under jam, you're going to have to show your cards. So, and then if you bluff, you can bluff for about, so let's just say he has 15k. That means there's 15k in the side pot. So you're definitely playing for that uh, as well. So aggression could have paid off to get me that 15k with two overs on the flop. But the doctor checks, um, uh, any two card guys checks, and I check as well. I could have taken an aggressive line. Uh, I was definitely repping that I had an overpair or a pair to the board. Would have had to show. Wouldn't have mattered. Blah. But the turn um, paired the paired the paired the top card which was a jack so i think it was jack jack eight seven uh double clubs double spades and i had king queen of diamonds um it was check uh, the doctor checked again any two cards bets out uh, 20k it's a steal um but uh, i gave him credit decided to fold and uh, the river was a king uh, which would have let me take down a huge pot uh the guy that under jammed jammed with sevens uh, or sixes he didn't have a set and uh, and uh, any two cards guy won with 10 7 or 10 8 uh, so uh, some weird hand like that and it was a huge uh, um, huge pot the king on the river is the only thing so the, the fold was correct um, the mistakes I made was not being aggressive on the flop um, but you could you could debate that decision tree all you want to and then uh, not taking the time to sniff out the continuation bet, but then there's another person behind uh, as well. Um, 
it's just it's, it was a really tough spot really tough situation and there's infinite ways that the decision tree can go um while you're making the decision and then uh, after folding the turn when the board paired because nobody had a jack um maybe they had a pair whatever the case is then i spiked my over um which cost me a big pot but neither here nor there like i said the fold was probably pretty good uh, folded ace queen off under the gun out of position play so I, I need to work on definitely need to work on one part of my game is playing uh, hands out of position uh, it was the table was nine handed ace queen off I decided not to play it um, and then I went net city for quite a while uh, in this one and I just watched insane poker back and forth uh, uh, given the blind structure given it's a tournament uh, bounty kind of gets you understand yeah but uh, I I didn't understand a lot of the plays that were being made, and that's probably why I ended up winning the tournament. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, sat for quite a long time, then I got fours in the small blind. Uh, an early position goes 5K, a couple callers all around. Uh, so I think there's about 20, 25K in the pot, and it's only 4,000 for me to complete, or 3,000 for me to complete, so I call. And I hit, um, I hit bottom set, and ch obviously checked it around, and then uh, middle position jams all in. He gets a caller. I call, um, folds around, and then he uh, continues bets. I jam over him. He folds, and then I show fours, and then a takedown of a nice little bounty uh, there. So got lucky in the fact that I had uh, pocket fours in the small blind and hit the bottom set. I think the flop was king jack uh, four. So um, I got the ace queen of diamonds uh, in the button, and I uh, made it 10 pre. Uh, nobody fought it. Um, like a bunch of limpers but me going temporary um, and nobody challenged me so there's the benefits of being in a position and then I had a 250k and I was over 100 big blinds so you can basically at 100 big blinds you can do whatever you want to when you play I still keep a tight image to trying to build up chips uh, for the eventual uh, eventual win um, very quiet very quiet very quiet um, uh, folded or played with 9-8 defended with 9-8 off in the big blind uh, nothing to write home about there just lost 25k in the pot and then uh, net city quiet for about 20 plus hands and i got nines in early position um and then i got lucky again because so i raised with nines in early position so i didn't i decided not to uh play them coy or not limp with them like i had been doing the previous two tournaments so raise pre uh and it was my first hand to come out and about 20 hands so nines look a lot stronger in that situation uh get a one collar and i hit the top set or i hit a set check the button bets i raised he called all in turn uh well, i jammed all in turn and he folded um uh, and then it it just kept progressing and progressing and progressing i'd steal a pot here make a bet there and that and it just kind of whittled down into um eight-handed seven-handed six-handed i picked up another bounty by eliminating somebody just playing tight uh, aggressive poker um, when it got down to three or four handed uh, ace x or ace anything looks good um, I did fold a jam with ace deuce which is one of the worst hands to call uh, a raise with so yes you have the ace but there's virtually no situation where you're I think the best you can hope for is 60 40 like you have 60 and 60 percent of it and they have 40 percent of it because if they have king anything or whatever uh if they have an ace they have you out kicked if they have king anything you're 60 40 if they have a pocket pair that they have you beat and your two is definitely not an over but if it was suited that that makes makes it a little bit better but that's no bueno 
So I uh, just kept playing, kept playing. Um, I think I limited two players. Uh, uh, one of the poker players that uh, seems pretty good. Can speak English. He eliminated about five or six. He's doing yeoman's work over there, taking everybody out. And then um, uh, we chopped it at 1-2. So ended up winning there, getting about 250 euros. And uh, uh, being patient, just continually reminding myself that the blinds aren't worth it. So there's no need to no need to go out and do, no need to fight for blinds because there's no big blind ante. There's no antes. So it's just one and a half big blinds. Uh, and literally didn't have to do anything until about four-handed. Uh, maybe three-handed where I had to start uh, or make made plays or did this this that and the other uh, to go down so uh, definitely things I need to work on is out of position play um, and just like both times I've been patient walked home with the win the other two times I was impatient uh, I lost both times I was aggressive and tight walked home with the win both the other two times that I was passive and a little bit loose in my play or opening with uh, meager holdings uh, ended up losing and finishing in the top, uh, uh, like top 15 of the tournament. So my worst finish has been 13th out of 30 or 40 people. Um, best finish is obviously two wins. And then that's kind of telling you something when you've showed up to a tournament four times and taken it home twice. So yeah, some of it's luck, some of it's being in a good position, but other is just horrific play from uh, other players. So uh, just because you're in Germany and they like to think that they are uh, engineering or mathematical specialist america getting in there and kicking shit out of it we doggy all right folks that ends the poker corner talk i am going to be a lazy the rest of the day yay for me bye bye <laughs>